Turn your Bibles, please, to the 14th chapter of Acts. Acts 14, in a moment we'll pick up at verse 19. As you turn there, I want to propose this question that we have in our heads as we read the text in a moment. What is the mission of missions? What is the mission of missions? What does it mean that the church does missions? For centuries now, the church has had this subset within itself that we call missions. Larger churches will have a, a youth pastor, a, a Christian life pastor, and maybe perhaps a missions pastor. What does it mean that there is a missions pastor? Isn't the youth pastor accomplishing something of the mission of the church? Well, of course he is, as are all the other pastors, hopefully, who are on staff of any church. And yet, we set aside this one subgroup within the church, which we call missions. What does that mean? What is the mission of missions? Well, the passage before us this morning is perhaps the best at answering that question, at least in answering it in a, in a concise way within a relatively small number of verses. This end of Acts 14 gives us a really wonderful snapshot of what it means to be a missionary, what it means to be uh, on mission for the church. And so we're going to take a look at this and invite you to follow along, starting in Acts uh, 14, verse 19. We'll be reading through the end of the chapter. Here at the Shore Harvest Presbyterian Church, we believe the Bible to be the only infallible rule for faith and for practice. And among other things, that means this. That if you want to know what is the mission of the church and the mission of missions, you have to know God's word. And so I invite you now to, to hear the word of God from Acts 14. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed." Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. Let's pray. Spirit, show us the meaning of your word this morning. Show us what is the mission of missions, so that we would be a well-informed church, a church that handles your resources carefully and wisely, a church that does your work intentionally, a church in obedience to your call upon us. We pray this in the grace of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The end of Acts 14 there it reminds me of many, many uh, wonderful evenings in my church as a child. 
Some of you have probably had the same experience. Uh, we see at the close of Acts 14, the, the last three verses, 26, 27, and 28, that Paul and Barnabas return to the church in Antioch, Syria, to the sending church, and they give a slideshow. I realize it doesn't say that there, but that's kind of what they do. They pull out the PowerPoint. If you're old enough to remember, they pull out the slide projector. And they give a report of all that they have done as missionaries out in the field. And that report, uh, Luke has already been kind of giving us that report along the way. Luke has been summarizing that for us. But that report is a wonderful reminder of missionaries. Part of what they do, they go out on behalf of a local church and they come back and tell the local church about what they've been doing. Now, it's interesting, over the years, my memory of these are, are the church I grew up in. Usually the, the, the reports from missionaries came either on a Sunday evening worship service or on a, a Wednesday evening midweek uh, meeting, prayer meeting. And it was interesting over the years, as I've watched over the last 35, 45 years, the development of these missions reports, something interesting has happened. My earliest memory, these were almost always accounts of work that led people to the Lord, or, or built up some local church. So the missionary would share with us uh, pictures and stories of those who had been called by the Spirit out of their uh, previous unbelieving life and into the faith of Christianity. But something interesting happened over time. Increasingly, the, the reports that I would hear from missionaries at various churches would be about medical work. That's a wonderful thing. Might be about helping the local community get clean water. What a blessing to have clean, pure water. But what was interesting was that over time, it seemed like many of these stories <clears throat> got pulled away from this direct connection to leading people to the Lord and building up the local church. And it raises the question, what exactly is missions? What does it mean to be a missionary? And we're going to introduce our time together by tackling those two questions. What is missions and what does it mean to be a missionary? Now, missions is not a word we find in the Bible, but that really shouldn't be a problem for us. There are a lot of important Christian words that aren't really in the Bible. Trinity, rapture. For that matter, monotheism is not a word we find in the Bible, but they're all important concepts within Christianity. Now, if we go to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, they define missions in the following ways. A specific task with which a person or group is charged. A specific task with which a person or group is charged. A definite military uh, task, such as a bombing mission, for example. A pre-established and often self-imposed objective, a company's mission statement. And a fourth definition they have is that it's a calling or vocation. Now, the word mission, the English word mission, traces back from the Latin word mitriae, uh, mitere, I'm terrible at uh, foreign languages, sorry about that, um, and it means to send. And so while the word mission isn't found in the church, the concept of sending clearly is. 
And in fact, in the Greek New Testament, we find forms of the verb uh, apostello, um, from which we, uh, a cognate word, is, it leads to our ap- apostle. Apostello is the verb, apostle is the noun, the one who is sent. And so there is clearly this idea of sending in the Bible. And that, that word apostello, we see it used in various ways in the New Testament. Matthew 2.16, Herod, he, he apostelloed, he sent soldiers to Bethlehem to kill all the babies. They had a specific task. They were given, it fits that Merriam-Webster definition of mission. They were charged with a specific task to go and do something. We see Jesus in uh, Matthew 10, 16, talking to the 12 and saying, I apostello you, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And he goes on to tell them what he's sending them out to do. They have a specific task. They are sent with a purpose. And then we see Peter, and when he's preaching in Acts chapter 3, in verses 20 and 26, he uses the same Greek word. And it talk, he's talking about the fact that Jesus was sent to the earth, apostello, to accomplish a specific task. So while the word mission isn't in the Bible, clearly the concept is. The idea of being sent with a specific task is most certainly there. So we... We, we understand that there are tasks the Lord gives us as his people. We are sent with purpose. So is everything the church does part of its mission? Well, in one sense, yes. The Lord has sent us. He has left us here in the world and sends us into the world to accomplish specific purposes. But that confuses. That's a, that's a categorical error there. That's confusing Two things that have the same word, but really aren't being used the same way. For we have long set aside missions as a subset of the church, and not used that word to apply to everything the church does. Uh, uh, Pastor John Piper um, sums this up really wonderfully in a, in a paragraph that many of you may be familiar with. It's, it's a wonderful quote, and I'll read it for you. Uh, uh, Pastor Piper says the following, Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Let me say that again. Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. Pastor Piper does a wonderful job of separating what is the church's ultimate goal or its ultimate mission, separating it from that which we call missions. Now again, as Presbyterians, we should know this. For when we ask that question, what are we about? What is the church all about? What is the final ultimate mission of the church? Well, 400-some years ago, we didn't quite word it that way. Well, how did we word it? What is the chief end of man? We did not say that the chief end of man was to make converts. We did not say that the chief end of man was missions. We said the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. It's analogous to what Pastor Piper has said, that worship is ultimate. So that the mission of the church is the glory of God. The mission of church is the worship of God. 
So when we talk about missions as a subset of the church, what are we talking about? We're going to come back around to that in a moment, but we're going to just for right now establish that the, the ultimate goal of the church and the goal of what we call missions are actually, they're interconnected, they're related, but they are two separate ideas. We must not water down either one by confusing them. We must not say that everything the church does is missions and missions is everything the church does. That's not biblical. And it's, it's a confusion of, of the word mission, to be on mission, to have a task. But it's to confuse the idea of the main task of the church with the, the subordinate task that we've historically called missions. Let's keep those straight in our minds. So we ask the next question, what are missionaries? Well, very simply, you've probably figured it already. It is those who are sent. If the apostello is the verb sending and the apostle is the noun of those who are sent, well, missions is the, the, the sending, the work. The missionary is the one sent. We see this very clearly in Acts 13, chapter, uh, chapter 13, verse 2. Uh, the Holy Spirit says, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. What did Miriam Webster say? That a mission is a vocation or a calling. Set them aside to the work to which I have called them. They are missionaries. They are the, the definitive missionaries in the scriptures. Paul and Barnabas. In the very next verse in Acts 13.3, after fasting and praying, they, the, the leaders of the local uh, church, laid their hands on them and sent them off. They were sent with a specific mission. Thus they are missionaries. All those who would be called missionaries must be sent. Now, I've heard it said, well-meaning Christians, brothers and sisters I love dearly in the Lord, they're wonderful people, have often said, in an effort to, to inspire us all to fulfill the Great Commission, have said that we are all missionaries. And in one sense, we all have the task to share the gospel. What is the Great Commission? Uh, uh, go into all the world and make disciples. And there's really a sense there in the, in the way Jesus structures that. It's kind of as you're going, in the midst of your going. So we all have the, 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 the calling to share the gospel as we have opportunity. But we are not all sent. We are not all commissioned, and it is not for all of us a vocation. So to be sure, I have a, 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 a life calling that is very gospel-oriented and gospel-centric, but I am not a missionary. There are, it is not the same thing as those who are sent out. So missionaries are those who are sent out. Now, before we go any further, before we jump into the main body of the text here, I want to stop and just make clear something here. In a moment, I'm going to narrow the way we think about missions and missionaries. But I don't want that to narrow the what we think about what the church ought to be about. Can we as a church, should we as a church, get behind projects to bless humanity? Is it okay to help a village get clean water? Absolutely. But if providing them clean water does not fulfill the mission of missions, then it ought not be called 
mission work. It has some other important ramifications. It flows out of who we are as Christians that we care about our fellow man, but that's not the same thing as mission work. So I'm not for a moment saying that we shouldn't do these other things. Should we have local uh, ministry to those who are hurting, perhaps unexpected and unplanned pregnancies? Yes, let's come alongside of them and minister to them. But as we're going to see, it doesn't fulfill what Paul and Barnabas were doing. It's important church work, and we must do it. But it's not missions work. We need to have the wisdom to see these as different categories, different uh, 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 things that flow out of who we are as a church and what we are called to do. So as I narrow our definition of missions, I do not want to narrow the ministry of our church. Only I want us to be careful on how we use the terms and understand the distinctions. We must be wise in these things. So what is the mission of missions? I asked the question at the beginning and I've restated it a few times through. Now we come to the body of the passage and we begin to answer that question. We we have looked at the end and how Paul gives a report to the sending church, gives a little PowerPoint slideshow of all the things he's done. Here's me in the synagogue at Iconium, and here's me and Barnabas getting stoned at this at Lister. Now we, we back up and go, okay, so what happened along the way? And how does it fulfill the mission of missions? Well, I'm going to suggest there are three things that are essential, according to this text, to missions work. You must get them gospel. You must get them growing. And you must get them going. Get them some gospel. Get them growing. And get them going. If we were to say that in a bit more formal way, get them gospel evangelize them. Get them growing. Disciple them. Get them going. Plug them into the local church. Let's take a look at the text and see how those things are all there. So we see in uh, verses 19 through 21, and again in verse 25, this idea of uh, get them some gospel. Evangelize them. And uh, in fact, if we back up to the beginning of this journey, what did we see when they first left and they landed in Cyprus? Uh, Acts 13.5, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. In Acts 13.16, when they landed in Asia Minor, again, we, 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 we saw that, that wonderful sermon. Paul went into the synagogue of the Jews and he preached this amazing sermon about the, how history unfolded Jesus of Nazareth to be the Savior. He evangelized them. He shared with them the gospel. Acts 14.1, at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Gentiles believed. This has been their pattern already on this journey. And here in verse 21, what do we see? We see there, uh, when they had preached the gospel, that could have literally been translated as evangelized. When they had evangelized that city, we see the pattern continuing. One of, and we're going to see it continue throughout the rest of the book of Acts, one of the functions that we're going to see of those sent as missionaries is that they share the gospel. It is a non-negotiable, essential part 
of any work that would rightly be called missions work. What did we see in the video earlier, the report from the Acostas? That these children come into their home and they hear about Jesus. The Acostas are accomplishing that differently than Paul and Barnabas accomplished it, but they're still doing it. They're sharing the gospel. What does the mission agency we support, uh, SAT7, what does it do? It, it broadcasts the gospel into places where it's hard for missionaries to physically go. They share the gospel. I have been on various short-term mission trips. I was blessed to be a part of one some years ago uh, in Kiev where we very purposefully and intentionally shared the gospel. So that out of the week we were there, the local church that we partnered with uh, shared with us how a year later they had added uh, over a dozen new members to their church directly from that week. How they had a dozen more who were still plugged into Bible studies and connected. We shared the gospel in an intentional and purposeful way. I've been a part of other short-term mission trips where I, I go, I spend my time there, I come back, and not one time did I talk to anybody about Jesus. I think all of us know, in our heart, there's a difference between those two. And it's not that the second one is bad and shouldn't be done, but it's not missions work. We see the apostles sharing the gospel. That can be accomplished in a lot of different ways. Bible translation is essential for this work. It doesn't have to look the same in every situation, but it has to be there. Number two, get them growing. Once you get them gospel, you got to get them growing. You got to get them continuing in that. We see uh, as a, uh, here in this first missionary journey, and it's going to be a routine habit of Paul, we see him double back through churches already visited. So he goes back now, it lists the cities, he goes back to the cities, he's already visited on his way inland, now he follows that path back out, and what do we see him doing there? Well, we see him strengthening them. Uh, notice the verse 21, second half, he made many disciples. There's that idea of discipleship. Okay, And they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, doing what? Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. One of the things that we are going to see throughout the entire ministry of the Apostle Paul is this work of encouragement in the faith. Discipleship. Missions ought to get them gospel, but it ought to get them growing as well. It's not enough to just simply tell them about Jesus and walk away. You've got to plug them in. You've got to connect them. And again, since we just heard from the Acostas, I'll, I'll point to them as a wonderful example. What did they tell us they do with these children? Every evening there are, there's a time of devotions with these children. They're taught in a Christian environment so that they grow in a knowledge of the Word of God. It's discipleship. Again, I, I mentioned the SAT7 agency earlier. They do the same thing. Having pr broadcast the gospel into these places, they continue to, to pour the Word of God into them in instructional videos and, and audio and, and helpful devotional content and, and information about God's Word. We see this as a pattern in 
missions. Get them gospel. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them about the good news that there is salvation. And get them growing. Disciple them. Bring them along in the faith. Don't just leave them to wither on the vine. I'm reminded, it was a two years ago now, the Becks uh, uh, missionaries we support in Germany, they were here and they told us a great deal about this work, this discipleship work that they're doing there. I think of many of the RUF ministers, some in our own presbytery here. That's an important work. They come alongside these students and they've, in, in the midst of that environment where these students are so drawn by the worldly things and so tempted with all that is sin. One of their important works, these RUF ministers, these Reformed University Fellowship ministers, is to come alongside and disciple these young men and women. Get them gospel, get them growing. And then we look at verse 23. And what do we see there? And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And again, we're going to see this as a pattern in the the ministry of the Apostle Paul. You get them gospel, you get them growing, but you get them going. Get them plugged into the local church. Get them connected to the community, to the body of Christ. You know, nowhere, nowhere in all of the scriptures is there ever a sense of the go-it-alone, lone ranger Christian. Not one time. It's always the people of God in the plural. It's always the nation of Israel as a community. It is always the church as a corporate entity. Even in the perfect world, before there was any sin, God said it is not good for the man to be alone. Never is there any sense that we do this on our own. And so once you get them gospel and once you get them growing, you got to get them going. You got to plug them into a local church. You've got to build that local community of believers. How did Paul and Barnabas do it? Well, they said, let's get some leadership in place. Let's put some elders in place. They've gone back now. We, it's about two years this journey took. And so exactly how long they'd been away, maybe some of the earlier stops, they'd been away almost two years by the time they doubled back around. And they now look at the development, the spiritual development of those there. And they say, you know what? We're going to tell you these guys here, they should be your elders. They should be your leaders. They should be your shepherds of your local congregation. And they establish churches with this model of local elders ruling them and shepherding them and protecting them and guiding them and feeding them. And they expect the, the disciples whom they have, uh, uh, to whom they have witnessed and shared the gospel and whom they have converted and whom they have built up into strength, they expect them to be connected to the local church. And again, what a blessing to hear the Acostas say that one of the things they do with these orphans is take them to church. They go to church. One of the things that RUF ministers talk about is the struggle to get these university students to go to church. Now again, not every missionary, not every mission agency is going to be able to do all three of these things equally well. SAT-7 is going to have a really hard time getting people to go to a local church, especially when we're talking about some situations where there are no local churches. And yet, anything that is going to be rightly called missions work ought to be doing at least one of these three things. To be 
on this thing we call missions, to be a missionary or a missions agency, you ought to be getting them gospel, getting them growing, or getting them going. All of those need to be understood as a part of true missions work. If the mission of the church is to glorify God and to worship him, the mission of missions is to build the church, to bring in more worshipers, and to root them in the word of God in such a way that they want to worship him. They know him from his word and want to glorify him. The mission of missions is to get them gospel, get them growing, and get them going. Let's pray. Lord, give us wisdom in these areas. Let us see that there are many good and wonderful things that we ought to be doing as a church, but let us also have the wisdom to recognize that not all of those are missions. And that many of us do important work in the church as part-time volunteers, as full-time staff, but that doesn't make us missionaries. Lord, in our calling to be the church, to, to glorify you on earth, to worship you while we are here on earth, let us see the importance of this thing we call missions, of this subordinate task of going out purposefully with a calling, with a, 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 a purpose, with a charge, sending out those whose job it is to to bring people in and to build your church. Give us wisdom to support true missions work. Guide us toward those men and women who are doing what you have tasked them to do, which is in accord with the model we see here in Acts 14. And Lord, we thank you for the missionaries we have for the Williams and for the Becks and for the Acostas, for, the, for Sat7, we thank you for those that we're able to support in some small way. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, allow us, even in these difficult times, to continue to support them financially, to lift them up in our prayers, to encourage them through uh, emails and phone calls and letters, that we be a church that is purposeful about your mission to the world. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.